Welcome to episode 63 of Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes, the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us once again, our special guest is author Chris Epting. Chris, welcome back. Thank you very much, Sean and Heidi, for having me back. Always a pleasure. Always, always, always a pleasure. I feel like I keep a podcast going just to have you back time and again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very flattered. Thank you. This is my favorite podcast, obviously, because of the content and the hosts, and it's really fun to hang out with you guys. So thank you. Sweet. Thanks. Oh, shucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we are here to talk about minute 63 of the movie this is spinal tap it's a big and, one yeah, yeah yeah things are things are happening heavy the duty definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so minute th- 63 starts with uh the the return trip of that extra little handout coming back to janine from nigel because he already has a copy we end with nigel being very frustrated and not knowing what to do in the studio and in between, we get a little one-on-one time between Marty and Nigel. Mm-hmm. Which so is we nice. start off. Yeah, I think those interviews are like, especially at this juncture in the in the film, Chris Guest's character. I think Nigel is really kind of. There's a lot more pathos to him now. You know, I think actually the way the interview starts, mm-hmm. it's really pretty straight. It's not going for laughs. It's. Uh, it's kind of sweet, you know? It's funny. There's, this movie has so much heart. Like, I think these kinds of moments are what make it special than just a comedy. Because th- he's like a real person in this in this interview, I think. Mm-hmm. You can just see it in his face. I mean, he's really... I think it's great acting. I really do. To, to give that character, who's been, you know, sort of goofy and hapless, to sit there and has this kind of sincerity that you buy. I mean, I re- at least I do, when he starts talking about being like a brother and sort of defining that relationship. It's a really important moment, you know, where these kind of rock gods, you know, he's sort of putting it in context and, you know, describing for everybody just what it's like. And I think, uh, I think he just does a really good job in that moment. It's so under, everything's so underplayed. In that in that interview, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. Just yeah, his his facial expressions. He's got a a, a little smirk, a little yeah. playful grin. The way he's he's talking about yeah, we're we're beyond or we've put aside the the big rock star egos for a moment, and you know this is just the lad from Squatney talking about his old friend David. Yeah, it has a sweetness to it. I mean, it's really like again, this is where I, where I sort of forget it's a movie. And it becomes a real band, you know? It's like, this is where, to me, it's like a real band, where you hear him talking like this more than any other point in the movie. I think it's the most authentic. Because everybody knows this scene. Everybody knows whether you've seen Robert Plant sit there, or Jeff Beck, or Jimmy Page, or Mick Jagger, or whomever, tell this thing about his mate. You know what I mean? Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, they met on the sub, the, the train platform in Dartford. Everybody knows that. And but we can still hear him talk about it. It doesn't get old. It's interesting because you realize that spark is what set everything off. And with these two guys, I think it's really similar. Not even knowing that they're setting up this, you know, feud that we'll guess we'll get to in a second that's taking place in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the yeah the the scene I think works very well, kind of as, as a standalone little talk and and getting into uh, kind of getting in touch with Nigel. And then what happens next? It becomes 
that's where the comedy comes in, where he's talking about how they're, you know, they're more than they're closer than brothers because brothers always fight. (laughs) Right. Now, one thing that always puzzled me a slight bit with the scene is sort of the the sequencing of it. They're in the studio. So when was Mm -hmm. this shot? Like, is this song, because I always, you know, get into the whole thing of, well, what's on the Black album? What songs are on there? The movie is a compendium of their career, right? But what are they selling on that record? What's the hit? Is it Hellhole? Is it Big Bottom? Do you know what I mean? Right. It's not, it's not Flower People. It's not all those other songs. So what's right. on that record? It's weird because the soundtrack outside the movie, like in the real world, was such a good soundtrack, but it, but it was marketed like that album. It looked like, I mean, I had the vinyl. It was a black record. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what was in the movie, what was on the movie's album? That would have been really different than the movie's soundtrack record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Right. Because, yeah, what, what is released is a little bit of a greatest hits. It's got the stuff that they're playing on tour, but it's stuff from throughout their history and from a lot of right. different. Yet in the movie, that's a new record. So what what what's the contemporary sound on that record that they're selling at that point? For one, and the other thing is, when does that film crew shoot that studio section? Is it as part? Are they on tour? You know, sometimes a band on tour will dip into the studio to do something, or is it before that? And are they recording the album that was ultimately released within the film? You know, I don't know. They right. don't really count No, for that. that's a good question because I'll, I'll admit, even though you were saying studio <laughs> and it's a studio, mm-hmm. I was thinking for a second that you were talking about the one-on-one with Nigel and Marty. And then I realized like, oh, no, you're talking about when they're in the studio. Yeah, and, well, yeah I'm sorry. I'm, I clear. When it goes in, they're actually recording and you can see yeah, the yeah. they're in a recording studio situation. Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. It just took me a moment. Um <laughs> Not yeah, no, so I, I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. I just like, I, I was, I was uh, stopped at that other scene, and so yeah, that is such a good question. So this, it's this is the 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 answers are in are on the editing room floor. So there's okay. some more information that got cut out from from the final. Well, the first question is, so what is on smell the glove of the movie, and that I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer. Uh, But so this is, and this is actually, there's a little bit of a callback to a line from the previous minute. And that's the only hint we get. Although I don't know if they ever identify it in, in the final cut that, that got released. Uh, So this is rainbow trout studio. Right. And there's one thing mentioned at the airport. Right. Yeah. So David mentions when they're close it is or something, right? Yeah. They're talking, I guess he's talking about their hotel or their lodge. And he's like, oh, that's about a hundred yards from Rainbow Trout Studio. So, yeah, this was, this would be, I think would be unusual in that they're cutting a studio track in the middle of a tour. And this is, um, I think it's a little bit of a bone to kind of appease Nigel. So this is actually the recording session for their song America. Right. And they've been kind of writing it as they as they go through the tour, they've been they do get some time away from the stage and outside of the hotel and they see different parts of America and landmarks and so forth. And they've been kind of have a, an ongoing process of writing this this song, sort of an ode to to the land that they're touring through. Uh, the song yeah, the lyrics definitely. For those that don't know, I mean, there really are these, you know, super highways here and there, pretty women everywhere, Brady Bunch and Smokey Bear. I mean, they're <laughs> tongue in cheek, but they are actually reflecting, you know, yeah. a certain degree of our culture. 
you know, which is kind of yeah. funny. Afro Sheen and Apple Pie, P- <laughs> PTA and FBI. You know, I'll never forget when I was, when I, for the very first time I saw this movie, when it came out in 84, mm-hmm. was uh, the friend who I saw it with was a really good guitar player. I mean, a really good musician. And we're watching it and he's taking it all in. And he talks about the after we were talking about it after. And he goes, you know, that song they're playing in the studio, which is America. He goes, it was really interesting. He goes, it's got this kind of Almond Brothers flavor to it. He goes, which really, he goes, I know it, this sounds crazy. He goes, but it's it kind of shows the depth. He goes, that group, however they structured it, they do have a musical depth and arc. He said, because that song doesn't feel like anything else they're playing. He said, so it's a really interesting that it does have that kind of rootsier, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, he called it like an Almond Brothers flavor, which I, I still hear it. I still get it, what he was talking about, you know? Yeah. With that tune, they do capture a, a totally different sense than they do in their other music. It's yeah, not totally. metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing yeah. right there, right? That mm-hmm. riff, he says it's like a Dwayne Almon riff. And it kind of is, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so this whole lead, it's got it's got a little Leonard Skinner feel to it with, with both mm-hmm. guitarists doing the same thing, those mm-hmm. twin leads kinds of things. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting how they tap into something that is, you know, very different from the other stuff they're playing. Yeah, so this session is a little bit I I always felt it I I think the song is it's Nigel and and David have been kind of writing it together as they've yeah, gone through yeah. America, but I think this was supposed to be sort of an olive branch to Nigel to say Yeah. Let's you know get away from the tour. I, I think part of the intention was to get it, get try to get away from Janine and just to be David and Nigel together in the studio and and record you know record this new song and it ends up not going so well and not being a good idea. But it was it, it, it yeah. So this is um, this is kind of contemporaneous that they're in Denver. They know about this studio. They're taking a break from the tour to okay. record a song and. Uh, yeah, and then it doesn't go well. It doesn't. Now, do you, are you familiar with the the real life event that supposedly inspired the scene? Well, yeah, the, we we talked a little bit in a previous minute about the Trogs tapes. Yeah, which I believe is what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, the Trogs tapes were a very big deal in nineteen. It happened in nineteen seventy, as you may have covered, when the band was kind of on the wane, and uh, some sound editor let the tape roll, and you know captured what became like a really famous. It actually it jump-started their career these guys fighting in the studio (laughs) it really did in the mid-70s that then when those things were released um the band it gave them this credibility and as punk rock was starting to sort of take root this it gave this band a new edge and it it definitely helped them get back uh working as a band again but yeah supposedly as you see you've covered the uh spinal tap guys definitely seem influenced by this scene and even some of the language, you know, about little fairy angel over your head. I mean, it comes right out of the Trogs tapes. Cool. Oh, good. See, we actually just released that episode today that refers to that. And I haven't, I haven't done my due diligence and gone and listened to that yet. So. Oh, you should. It's oh, really. You, yeah. So I definitely will. <laughs> yeah. They're hilarious. They're great. Yeah. And they, they kind of became a part of pop culture, but but you know they became popular too. They were underground, and then they became um, they went you know above ground and mm-hmm. and became very cultish and uh, really illustrated 
this kind of tension and you know you can tell the guys you know obviously would have heard these tapes i think i think i remember actually fred willard telling me that they did listen to them you know it was the thing mm-hmm. and and just sort of did their own little homage to it in that scene because it's you know that scene is like the breakup i mean that's really is a powerful i think very p- powerful dramatic uh, moment when they start going at each other yeah i mean it's like Everything nothing else out. it's but, like nothing else that's been in the movie so far nope yeah. Nope, it's real and it's serious and it's like, you know, it's it's such a kind of a classic movie scene of the two guys breaking up over a girl, you know, mm-hmm. that try that tri- weird triangle, you know, that we see in lots of different art, and there it is, you know, and again, it's it's pretty heavy. It doesn't. I love it because again, it it elevates the movie from just being a quote comedy into I think um, a really great film. Yeah, and and things are really getting serious because one thing we've seen, kind of the 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 constant keeping the band together through this tour and all the disasters has been the music. And you know, even when Derek was trapped in his pod and he kept playing, and and Stonehenge and the ridiculousness with, right, no with that performance, what, trapped on the ground. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nigel yeah. you know, stuck on his back. Like they always keep playing, and the music was always good. And now you see it's to the the distraction or the tension or whatever is to the point where it's now affecting the performance. It's affecting the music. Like, yeah, now it's serious. Now it's on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of scary because you see it. You see it slipping away. You know, you see everything kind of disintegrating before your eyes. Like to your point, if they can't get it done here, um, if it's no longer about the music, then what's it about? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm wondering. Um, If I sound distracted, it's because I'm thinking about that lick my love pump scene. That's in the same studio, isn't it? I mean, it looks like identical. I'm just looking back really quick at it. Oh, you have it As far as the room. Oh, So I'm wondering if that's supposed to be. Where the piano is? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. If it's supposed to be in a different studio or Marty, you know, when Marty put the movie together, put his movie together, he just decided to cut in that, you know, lick my love pump because it doesn't really, it kind of floats, you know, it's not attached to any specific time of the story, the the linear story, right? Yeah. And we, we, we had wondered during that scene where that week is this, you know, Nigel's home studio back in England or, you know, or the UK or yeah, where, where was that done? So that would kind of make sense if just at some point during this recording session, um, if Nigel's kind of off on his own and, and finds a piano and is, and is fiddling right. around. Interesting. Um, I love right when you get in the studio, how you see David St. Hubbins' hands playing. Like you see he's a musician, like it's real sound. You know what I mean? Right. Where he's picking. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of cool to watch. I love those little moments where you actually see them playing without like amplification terribly. Or, you know, we, you really can tell that as actors, you know, these guys know how to play instruments too. Yeah. Is- yeah, it's like, yeah, clo- like close I'm, up on the hands and yeah, where he's playing, you know, it's like and he's he seems, you know, like kind of a decent player, like he knows what he's doing, you know, and um and he even he's kind of smiling as a the, before the meltdown starts. It's like he doesn't seem as frustrated as Nigel. He's more, I think, being a little bit more throwaway with it, and right. it's Nigel who's picking up, and then of course you see everybody that awkward thing where the rest of the band is in the in the in the recording booth. 
watching, you know, watching it happen with the glass between them, you know, that separation. Right. Yeah. And it definitely looks like, um, I mean, I've been in recording studios a few times. It definitely feels like. Oh, totally. Exactly like that. The lighting, you know. In, oh, no, no, no. It's in great. The I mean, it's, and everything. It's and perfect. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I'm wondering what just, I mean, this has nothing to do with the the drama, but like what does anybody recognize what Derek's drinking out of? Because it almost looks like I thought port it was Frangelica or, or something. It's like a, yeah, the, Frange- something dessert wine like or something. liqueur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not Grand Marnier. <laughs> no. so. so it looks like a, is it green glass? Yeah, bottle? yeah, yeah. Leading into the scene where Nigel's got the um, the skeleton T-shirt on. Mm-hmm. Would that be the same setup for Goes to Eleven? Like, sort yes. of? Yeah, I think this is like his, his guitar room where okay. he's got all his, his guitars. and Yeah, so this yeah. Was, it was probably filmed at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, it looks uh, I didn't realize, but it looks exactly like that moment. He's too. got the shirt. You can see the guitars behind, uh, behind him as he's talking and even behind Marty. So, yeah, it's that, uh, yeah, that Goes to Eleven room. Yeah, and we got to, um, I know I put this on social media already, but for anybody who's listening that's not, you know, continually following along on the adventures of our social media, um, I listened to the Better Call Saul Insider podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's great. It's led by their editor, their, their um, head editor of that television show and then she has um both of the creators and she'll have directors and writers and actors and everybody from the show so it's a really it's a great inside i mean it's truly the inside scoop on you know what how they set up the shots and you know talking about acting techniques and all this great stuff but yeah it's it's i highly recommend it it's just called if you look it up on itunes it's just the better call saul insider and it comes out each week the day after the episode airs but one thing that was funny is that in a recent episode jimmy who who transitions into to saul but in early days is jimmy mcgill he um (laughs) he has to quickly pivot from um doing his lawyering to um shooting some commercials and i'll when i was watching i was like oh my god he's dressed just like marty like he's (laughs) got that tan jacket and and the flipped up collar and he's got a black he's got a great panavision um like baseball cap on and, and he's which got like the lens lens, the lens around the neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when I listened to the podcast, they they mentioned the creators mentioned that they that was inspired directly from from the actually the two things we know. Like one, it was inspired by Marty DeBergie oh, wow. in this is Spinal Tap, but also by a particular shot of Spielberg, which I shared with mm-hmm. that a while back. I'm assuming it's the exact same shot because there's a uh, something I posted on on uh, Instagram that's like a side by side of Marty and Spielberg and like basically the identical look. So it's wow. pretty funny. It was just fun to listen to that and start laughing, going, "Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that was great." Mm. Yep, uh, just another another connection besides, you know, uh, Michael McKean's great work on that show. I was driving in um, West L.A. about a week or two ago, and I went by the old place called the Music Machine. I don't know if you ever remember that, but it was an old venue on Pico Boulevard where they band, where Spinal Tap played one of their early live shows in 84, around the same time I saw them at CBGB in New York. 
mm-hmm. thing there. And it's the same structure. It's no longer the music machine. It's now called the electric supply connection. It's this big warehousey kind of place. But, you know, sometimes after talking to you guys the last time we did this, we drive around L.A. or Pasadena by the Raymond Theater. And you see the locations where this stuff was done. Uh-huh. And it's mm-hmm. just it's interesting to kind of rethink back about, um, about that movie, you know, based on just the geography of it. And we talked about LAX at the airport and stuff. I would love to know where that studio is right there where they're shooting this this breakdown scene. I would love to know where that room is. Right. Um, just because I'd love to go visit that sure, space. Totally. That's where that's where this, you know, hellish meltdown takes place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately it hasn't come up. I've done a little bit of research on on the various locations and, and things like, you know, the, the Raymond theaters come up. But uh, yeah, I haven't found this studio, but I can do some more digging because, yeah, that would yeah, be-, I'd be curious I mean, because it really is. You know, it's you know, they're real musicians at this point. You know, it's one of these it's again, it's one of these very authentic moments in the film mm-hmm. where you see a studio setting, you see tensions and it's probably late at night and everyone's cranky and you get the girl and. You know, it's just, um, it's not a good, it's not a good moment. I think they were really smart. You don't see Janine in here, right? You don't see her in that room, do you? Right, no. I think no. that's a smart, I think that's a smart move to not let her be part of this moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, I don't know. It just seems better that they, this is allowed to play out without her looking over it. Yeah, totally agreed. It's kind of like, it, it it highlights what has changed since Janine has inserted herself right. by pulling her back out. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. What 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 has happened without having her interject or in you know or yeah, it's her presence that's driving Push David over to the side like he does when when she's arguing with Ian a couple minutes, <laughs> right? Shoves him over. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, she she's not trying to run the session or or anything or play engineer in the studio. There, there in their argument. Yeah, right. Like right. they're arguing over her. So I think her presence is very much felt just by what they're arguing about. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we also we don't see. Uh, I don't think we see Mick in the studio. We see no. there's someone there's someone sitting so behind Derek. Viv it, is back there with a girl, right? There's Viv, right. and yeah, he's someone's lighting a, a cigarette, and kind of Viv's enjoying some company. I wonder. There's we can see that someone's got their legs crossed, kind of sitting next to Viv. That might be Mick, but we don't see a a head or a face. But yeah, so we get a little microcosm of the the personalities in the band. We've got the the, the tension between Nigel and David as they're trying to perform and Derek's a little bit of the peacemaker, kind of a conductor right. running the session at the table or at the board um, with his bottle of something. And then Viv is just kind of hanging back on the couch. Yeah. So I wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff is getting heated. Um, yeah. Is there anything else particular about this minute or any other Spinal Tap stories that anybody wants to share before we wrap up uh, minute 63? Well, I've seen arguments like this with bands occasionally, and this is so real. I mean, it's just, it's done so perfectly, whether they're pulling from the Trogs tapes or not. It's a very authentic breakdown of, of communication, you know, communication breakdown. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not, I don't think it's played for laughs. I mean, a little bit maybe, but it's, but it's still, you know, it's still two guys arguing. It's still uncomfortable. 
you know, and this movie, it's rare are the scenes for me anyhow that make me feel uncomfortable, like I shouldn't be there. This feels like one of those, a very private yeah. kind of personal yeah. thing going on. And, um, you know, again, it's another little scene within the movie. It's its its, its own standalone scene. Mm-hmm. These cool. scenes are just built so incredibly where, you know, they're so, they're unto themselves. I, just, I, I know I say that a lot, but it's like, it just blows my mind how minute to minute it just uh each minute is its own little capsule this scene in the studio is a little play you know yeah and sure. there's nothing else i mean i know i just said it, there's nothing else that's like <laughs> this scene in the entire movie it has a totally different feel you know what you mentioned last time so and, yeah and again the song that you hear i think i think it is an interesting choice that it's america and that it is it's not a cheesy metal song like it's not right much as I like the spinal tap music it's not a silly you know big bottom is kind of silly sex farm is kind of silly this is not. This actually has a real kind of, you know, Southern rock groove to it that's not bad. Yeah, there's no jokes in this minute at all. No. Not visual. And, and not including the song's not visual. a joke either. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. The, this, uh, you know, this disagreement between Nigel and, and David will continue into the next minute. But one thing we see is that it's not, it's not what it's about. Or it's not, you know, the immediate thing is, well, David's having trouble playing the song and and they're just having trouble getting, you know, getting a good take. But I'm, you know, I'm sure they've, they've spent a lot of time in the studio. They've played many songs and recorded a lot and probably had to do multiple takes many times. So it's, you know, it's, it's about the playing, but it's not about the playing. Right. 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 That's a symptom, not the disease. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's so funny, I, watching that clip, it made me flash back and think, well, what was it like when they were recording Cups and Cakes? What was it like when they were recording right, right. Stonehenge? <laughs> like, what were their studio settings like with all those other great songs? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just a weird, uh, again, you buy so heavily into the, the reality of what they are. You can imagine recording sessions for Shark Sandwich, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah or, or Flower People. I'm yeah. just happy to hear somebody say shark sandwich again. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm just letting that wash over me. Sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, those concept albums. They were in studios doing this, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. There's just something, there's something really sad about it because this feels like the end. In a way, it kind of is the first end, you know? And, um, but, but again, the song's a good song. I, I, that's what I like about it. I mean, Spinal Tap is, so, I, and I will never forget my friend Ed saying, God, you know, he goes, that was really that Southern, you know, that Southern kind of Skinnered Almond Brothers. They had that. Where were they going with that? You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, yeah, that it's was just a, a weird sound for them, that song. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's about all I have for this minute. Um, we're just really Dude, happy to. Yeah, yeah. Super fun. Always, always great to get your take, Chris. And and thanks for for joining us for minute and episode My pleasure. 63. So yeah, um, at the risk of repeating myself every <laughs> single episode, you can find us at spinaltapminute.com. And that's that's all I'm going to say for today. Yeah, and I'll just throw in a little plug for our Facebook listeners group, the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge, where you can kind of find us and other Spinal Tap fans and chat about the the podcast and the movie and all things Spinal Tap. And so, Chris, uh, if folks enjoy your storytelling, as I'm sure they do, 
where can they find more of you? They can find me on Facebook where I'm always throwing things out there for a quick to the wolves for a quick mm-hmm. chew. <laughs> uh, yeah. And a website and all that kind of nonsense. But you know, I'm on Amazon.com. All my books are there and I think the best stories are in those books and um my favorite ones anyway, so they can check those out. And I encourage everybody to go back and watch Spinal Tap. If you haven't, go go as we're deconstructing it, go watch the movie too, because it really is a an incredibly special American film, you know, that I think gets stronger every year. I think the more time that goes on, I think that movie only gets better. Yeah, and we haven't said this in a while, but as of at least this this recording, it's still available if you have Netflix streaming. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a really easy way and you oh, can cool. pause, pause it and go back and, you know, it's just a super simple, easy way. And there's also, of course, a link on the website to buy it or rent it through Amazon. And if you do that, then we'll get, you know, a half a cent or a, a <laughs> hey penny will do. <laughs> if you go through our Amazon link, we don't really plug that, but it, but it is there when it says uh, on the website, you know, buy or rent the movie. Movie. But yeah, Netflix, go for it. Or, you know, just root around in your in your record and video collection you might already have. I found, that, I, had my, I, found my, I found my cassette the other day. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, awesome. as my dog is is getting excited too about it. No, I used to play <laughs> that thing. I played that thing every single day. I mean, when it came out, I just, I loved that record. I absolutely loved it. What's your, do you have All a favorite? Right. Favorite song? What song does Marilyn like the most? <laughs> you know, I go back and forth. It, it, to me, it really depends. I, 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 every song on the record to me holds something special. But uh, I think Sex Farm is a really good kind of you know mid-range metal song. I really do. <laughs> kind of pop metal. Yeah, uh, I love that song. I really yeah. do. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's a great song. But I love, you know, Flower People, I think is brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I think Stonehenge, I do think it's a tour de force. I think it's funny, but it's also very tastefully done. Oh, yeah, you know, sure. So it, it's all over the map. I mean, I, depending on my mood, but I just think it's, a, I think it's a terrific record. Yeah. Make you smile because you reflect on the movie. But I think the music holds up as well. Agreed. Agreed. We all agree. So, anyway. Well, this is anyway. fun, you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, this has been a hoot, but I think that wraps it up for, was it Minute 63? Minute 63. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're yeah, we're getting towards the end. There's just about 20 minutes left in the movie. So, wow. uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to come back tomorrow and see how things wrap up and, and where, the, where the band goes from here. All right. Yeah. I'll be listening. Right. Sounds good. So until next time, and so say all of us, tap tap, tap into, into America. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Heidi. Thanks, Sean. Oh, thank you so much.